Welcome to the Pulse Podcast. I'm Amelia Sullivan. This podcast series expands on notable articles originally published at APTA's Pulse blog for PT and PTA students so they can reach a wider audience. In this episode, we talk to Jessica Baugh about clinical rotations. A clinical instructor herself, Jessica often reminds students that they are still students and that clinical rotations are supposed to be about learning. It's a chance for students to learn new clinical skills and explore different areas of practice. And mistakes are part of that process. Here's our conversation with Jessica. So first question for you, Jessica, let's talk about professionalism. You mentioned in your blog post that before a student arrives for their first clinical day, um, they should make sure they know all the basics, where to park, what to wear, what the schedule looks like, and um, any do's and don'ts um, for that facility and for that CI. So tell us a little bit more about what students should be thinking about and consider before their first day in their clinicals. Okay. So for me, and I just recently took on students again, it's been a few years, um, and I took on the new role of student coordinator at my facility. So it's given me a little bit more insight lately as to when things go um, a little unorganized or not as planned. And it just seems that most um, professional students, PT, OT, things like that, that we get through here and everywhere, myself included, when I was a student, um, like I talked about in the article, we just get so wrapped up in, oh, my goodness, um, how do I do my special tests and my evals and all of these other things. And I think a lot of the basics get missed. And when the basics get missed as far as attire and where to park and things like that, not only does it make that first day or even first week a little chaotic, which never helps a worried student and maybe a stressed CI um, get the ball rolling, but it just takes so much time to try to go through that on day one when there's other things to do, orientation, etc. And so I really reach out to students probably a month and then a week before they get here and if I have a student, I um, my poor student got a lot of emails from me about what to expect and just what to wear. And, hey, we have casual Fridays. And I tried to inundate her with so much information, which um, for her was good. I know not everyone would do well with that, but it just really helped her. She came in on day one. She was prepared. She knew where to park, where to go, what to wear. She wasn't spending all day looking around and being like, oh, is this okay? Am I doing this right? She was ready to hit the ground running with orientation. Her paperwork was in, and we got right into treatment. And that was really helpful for time management. Okay, so you can speak broadly or more defined, but as a CI, what are you hoping that the students get out of their clinical experience? Like, what do you want them to finish the rotation with you, having done, having experienced, having learned? My goal for students, and I I tell my students this, is um, I don't care if they're good at their manual skills or the specific tools in their toolbox, because they're going to learn that with practice. But what I expect students to graduate with is, you know, when you're, go out onto your job, you should feel comfortable to communicate with different people on your team, no matter whether that's OT, PT, physicians, techs, et cetera, because you're going to need help. 
So I try not to answer all my students' questions. I like them to go to other staff members and get used to collaborating um, because you never know if, you know, your lead therapist or the person who hired you is available. And I also want students to feel that when they graduate and go in for their first day of work, again, you know, all of the basic preparatory, the parking, all those little specifics that I already talked about and are in the article, if you show up to your first day of work prepared, then that goes a long way. It shows that you are there, you are ready to be there, and you're ready to hit the ground running. And really, you know, what I see in – we hire a lot of new grads here, and we were all new grads at one point. But, you know, you get into chart audits or you get into, um, like, you need to fix your goals and you need to do all of these things or you build wrong or what have you. So I want people to feel like, hey, I can go and do week one at my job and survive. I know what – you know, an eval is and what needs to be included in that. I know all of the little pieces um, so that you're not going like, oh, I have great hands-on skills. That's wonderful. But I have no idea how to um, go through a history or um, make a functional goal, things like that. That's super practical advice. I feel like I've heard from current and former students that their focus is knowing all the PT-specific stuff. And to your point, the other stuff, communications, professionalism, et cetera, are the things that sometimes get overlooked. But as you said, your goal is that the students leave you really well-rounded. Um, so kind of transitioning a little bit. So some students will admit that before their clinicals that they were nervous or anxious like, what if I mess up something? What if I don't know something? So talk to us a little bit about mentally preparing for your clinical, uh, speaking to what they've learned in school thus far. What's your expectation for these students once they arrive in your clinic? So I think um, my expectation when students arrive, whether it's their first clinical, their final clinical, is that you're going to know the basics. You're going to know how to assess little things like range of motion. You're going to know how to manual muscle test. And you're going to know, um, you know, common sense things like, oh, if someone says that's really painful, back off a little bit. Um, but as far as the, the meat and potatoes, like special tests and measures, I always tell my students I don't expect them to know every little thing they learned in school. And really, you know, my students often know more than I do about the the meat and potatoes, that type of stuff, because they're in school. They've been fed special tests and measures and all those other components that we learn in school, disease processes, all of that, and most of them are out studying on the, for their boards while they're at their internships. And so I learn a lot from my students, but I really try to just make sure that they have, again, the basics and they kind of know their style, especially, you know, first or last, I guess it really doesn't matter. But I remember being a student, and I'm very, I'm a bit of a passive learner. I myself like to watch it a few times, hear it, and then do it. I'm not a jump in and go for it kind of gal. I mean, I'll do it if I have to. And I remember being so terrified on clinicals because I didn't know if my instructors were going to expect me to just jump in and do it or were they going to ask me questions on the spot. Um, and I had all of that. And I just look back and think if only I would have reached out and said, hey, I don't learn well that way, 
And then if they're not open to that, maybe that's not the best for me. And I remember a lot of our instructors saying that's what you're going to get and that's what you have to do. And I just, you know, your internship is supposed to be a learning experience. It shouldn't be terrifying. You shouldn't have to go home for hours at night and work on your plan for the next day. That's not realistic, and that's how people burn out. So, um, you know, if you – um, don't know those things about yourself or I've had students that are like, oh yeah, you can quiz me and I'm a go-getter, I'll dive in, and then they really aren't that. I mean, I usually encourage people to try to look back on examples in their life and think about really what works for them because, again, I don't want my students to be nervous Nellies or anxious every day they come in. Right, and the patient sitting in front of you both needs your full attention, so how do you, in that moment, console a student who is a bundle of nerves while also giving that patient the treatment that they need in that uh, session? Um, Along the same lines, you use the word mistakes in your blog post, and I actually love that you did that. Um, You basically said that mistakes are going to happen and that's okay. So tell us a little bit about why making mistakes uh, is expected and why it is okay. So I think it's important to remember that, I mean, if a student is listening to this and you're terrified that you're going to make a mistake or if a you know, clinical professional is listening to this, look back and know that we're not perfect, but mistakes happen and they happen unexpectedly. That's why they're a mistake. And if every therapist, you know, made a mistake and said, hey, that's it, then we wouldn't have very good clinicians out there because that's a great way to learn. Um, you know, for an example, like an accidental mistake. I had a student who trusted a new client to be really safe and stable, and I was encouraging gate belts, but I'm not going to push it. You know, this is not my learning opportunity. This is for you. And that patient had a little fall. And we made sure the client was okay and everything was fine, but it was a good learning opportunity to say, hey, okay, like, not everyone is stable. They're here to work on balance. You know, little things like that are going to happen. Everyone dreads their first fall. It happens. It happens to the best clinicians out there, and it doesn't happen because it was planned, right, unless you're doing fall recovery on purpose. Um, And so... I remember as a student, I didn't have a fall and life was great, but even something as simple as, you know, documentation. If you screw up your billing, if you document on the wrong patient, like, we'll fix it. If a client falls or does something wrong in clinic and has a lot of pain, we'll address it. We'll refer if we need to. And, you know, I want students especially to realize that that is, Normal, we try to do everything in our power to prevent mistakes and little accidents happening, but that's life in a rehab center. Um, That's life in physical therapy, and at some point, something's going to happen, and I think one of the things that differentiates, um, you know, a a good clinician from a poor clinician, and not necessarily talking about skill set, but how do you come back from that? You know, do you say, oh, I screwed up and I shouldn't be a PT, or do you become so afraid to work with people that, you know, you just don't take lower-level clients, or I don't know, Um, or do you say, hey, that happened, 
and we're going to address it and make sure everything's okay, learn from that, and then that mistake won't happen again because I'm going to remember. So next time something happens, I'll learn something new. So I really try to turn it into a learning opportunity, and I don't chastise because Lord knows I have had my share of, you know, documentation errors and client falls and all of those things. And you want it to be an environment where a student feels comfortable to own a mistake or feel like they can tell you if they messed up something and, you know, if they thought you were just going to get mad or get upset with them, you know, maybe that's not the best environment for a student to learn or grow. I want it to be a, hey, what could I do to prevent this in the future? Right, because ultimately it's a learning experience. Exactly. So now I want you to think about one of your rock star students. Um, You don't have to name names, of course, but I want to know just why you thought they were so great, what they did awesomely, um, and I want to hear a little bit about that person. Um, So my latest student, the one who encouraged me to write this article, um, she stands out as my rock star and I'll give her props. Not only are we, you know, I think we're friends now, so we stay in touch after, which is kind of neat. Um, but she'll probably always stick with me because she was with me the longest. The last time I had students, it was an eight-week rotation. Now they're all at 10, so that made a difference. But I think the outpatient environment versus I was in acute care before, it just really lets you see a student shine and not doing emails all day. Like I, maybe I'm biased because she's so fun and we're friends. Maybe I'm biased because I didn't just watch her do emails all day. I don't know. Um, But she, you know, she came prepared. She took all my emails like a trooper. She knew where to go, what to wear. She was professional and um, very prepared for day one. Uh, We got her through all the orientation and she was very much a jump right in kind of gal, which is, again, not my style, so it was just kind of nice to see that. Um, I wish I had that personality, but I just don't, so I admire her for that. Um, But no matter who the client was, she was kind, courteous, she was always singing and dancing, and her energy level, you know, people don't come to therapy because they feel good, right? They come because they're in pain or they're debilitated and they need help you know, becoming more independent, and she was always able to just get people talking, get people participating, and I have to hand it to her, there were probably in 10 weeks only two or three times where I had to, you know, give her some advice because she was stuck, and so she was able to really, and I think this is a skill that most clinicians don't learn five years out, but she was able to adapt very well to the client's needs on any given day. You know, some you might eval somebody who's walking with, you know, a cane, and then they come back and they're limping with a walker because something happened. And, and she was not only able to modify the exercises and the activities that day, but she was able to kind of bring her personality up or down as they needed. And if somebody was really ornery, you know, I think we all have some buttons. I'm very guilty of that. If somebody comes at me and is like, you did this to me. Um, I think it's easy to get defensive or um, what have you, but she was great at just listening and being an active listener while putting accountability back on the clients to get them willing and able to participate again. 
And she was she was truly a rock star. Like everyone wants her as a student, and now everyone's going to want her to be their therapist. <laughs> that's the position to be in, that's for sure. That person sounds like quite the rock star. And now for a quick break. Would you like to save hundreds of dollars on APTA membership? If you're a student member of APTA, the Career Starter Dues program provides discounted membership dues over the first five years of your career. Participants in the program also receive a free registration to APTA's next conference and exposition, the first year after graduation. Learn more at apta.org slash career starter dues. Now let's return to the show. Okay, so another thing you mentioned in your blog post is how communication is really key in having a successful rotation, uh, whether that's student to CI or CI to student. Uh, being honest with your comments, questions, concerns, and overall just being really upfront and clear with your communication. So why is this one of your biggest take-home messages? So I remember being a student, and for every clinical, we had to write week, weekly goals, I think it was. And I, I think she had to do that. So she had this binder from her school, and she had all these goals for me, and I was supposed to check them off every Friday and talk about them. Um, but I think as, as students, especially for the schools that do all of their internships back-to-back, you're studying for boards, you're doing the CPIs, you are – prepping for treatment, you're trying to have a social life, um, and the last thing you're going to want to do at the end of the day is go through all of those little goals, and usually they're kind of copy-pasted, so it's not necessarily what you need at that time. It's just a blase goal um, that you did to get that done, and I completely get it. I did it. We were all there, um, but one thing I noticed with my Rockstar student was, you know, she was, like, the end of the first or second week, she mentioned something like, oh, this job is really easy. And I'm not going to lie, it really, you know, kind of made me mad because I'm thinking this job is anything but easy. Like, I work my little hiney off, and where are you coming from that this is so easy? And so um, I asked her, I said, like, what about this is easy? Do we need to challenge you more? And then every week, you know, I tried to check in and, in the middle, we got a little lazy, and then I would notice that she wasn't communicating as much, and maybe her documentation was kind of falling down the toilet a little bit, and so we'd go back to that, like, at the end of the day, be like, okay, good day, bad day, what was good, what was bad, are you struggling with anything, and she was struggling with documentation, and she didn't really know what I was looking for, and I said, okay, great, but, like, I'm not a mind reader and communicate with me. And so then we were able to address it. I was able to give her some information. And then from there, it was just a steady improvement. But if you're not communicating about that particular setting and those particular clients and, and your struggles or your successes in that clinical at that time, you're not going to make a lot of headway in improvement because if you're using your goals and you're comparing, you know, your struggles with your first week or your first clinical, then it's not so relevant. You're not, again, going to make those gains. Okay, so what advice would you give to a student who has a CI that really isn't initiating conversations like, how are you doing? How is everything going? Do you have any questions, etc.? Um, how do you recommend a student go about initiating a conversation with their CI uh, like that? 
Absolutely. So I was that nervous Nelly who didn't know how to approach it. So what I did was, you know, technically in the school's information, I had those weekly goals that needed to be signed off by a CI, and I would kind of use that as my in. Um, and I would say, hey, like I need you to check off on my weekly goals for my school so that, you know, everything is crossing T's, dotting I's. And most of my CIs were very open to that, and it led to that conversation. So I think that's a great way to approach it. Um, I had one clinical instructor who I felt very afraid to go to. Um, it wasn't a, a healthy learning environment, um, but, you know, we, we get through it. And so with her, I kind of made the choice to just scrap it, and I did my best, Um and I wouldn't recommend that. I wonder, in retrospect, if I would have gone and said, hey, I'm really struggling in this, if it would have been better. Um, but I think that turning it into, like, this is required for my internship, most CIs aren't going to say no to that. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable just saying, hey, like, I'm really not getting this or I'm struggling with this, or even just saying, okay, it's Friday, like, what would you like me to look over for the weekend? That's also a very safe um, question that may open up some dialogue. So, um, and then if you, you know, if you have a CI that you don't feel comfortable talking to, maybe find somebody in the clinic that you do feel comfortable talking to and see if they have a suggestion for that person, because sometimes someone will seem kind of you know, standoffish, but really they're just shy or quiet or they're not initiating it, but they're waiting for you to because they're so excited. I mean, it, there's just a lot of variables there. But, again, I would say, first and foremost, put it back as a school requirement and see if you can get the dialogue rolling that way. And now for a quick break. Do you want to make a difference in the opioid epidemic? You can by supporting APTA's award-winning Choose PT public awareness campaign. Go to moveforwardpt.com slash choosept to access the campaign toolkit, which includes free downloadable resources and assorted Choose PT merchandise sold at cost. Join your fellow members in informing the public about the benefits of physical therapy and encourage your community to choose physical therapy. Now let's return to the show. And maybe another tactic could be stating in the very beginning that you want frequent check-ins. You know, this doesn't have to be in person, you can make that ask via email if you're not comfortable quite yet uh, before the rotation begins. And then that way you can just say, hey, can we meet for 10, 15 minutes once a week, twice a week, you know, whatever you guys establish. Okay, so a question for you. As a CI, what do you enjoy most in your position and with mentoring students? I love to teach. And so, and I like to teach the whole picture. So when we were talking about what you, what you wanted me to discuss as far as my expectations when someone ends their clinical or graduates, it's that big picture. And so, I mean, I, like, I don't do a lot of hands-on therapy. And I don't really care so much about teaching a specific skill set because maybe you're going to leave here and never look at that again. I don't want to waste your time with something you're not going to like. Um, but I love to teach documentation and just how to get through the day as a clinician. So when you're out on your own, 
um, working as a licensed professional, you can survive and know that you've got this. Like, your skills will get better, but you know how to document. You know how to talk to people. You know how to have the tough conversations. Um, all of that is really what I like to teach. And I love, I think one of the things that my Rockstar student needed the most were, um, in my article I mentioned that a lot of people struggle with the tough conversations. And I loved giving her suggestions and feedback on how to go about that. Um, just because that's, you know, human relations and it's less clinical and it's more just people. Um, and I also love to learn from students. So I learn a lot from my students. She, I'm a new pelvic health therapist. I'm trying to get certified eventually, but, you know. Um, and so I was able to get a student who had that same interest, and I was able to learn a lot from her in that regard about latest research. Um, and again, you know, I'm not in school anymore. I'm not using special tests and measures every day and going through all of them. And so it's kind of fun to have those refreshers or, again, like new research. Hey, this is what we can do for this now, and it's, you know, the latest and greatest. So I really love to teach, but equally I have learned from all of my students. I actually think that's really funny that tough conversations are one of your favorite things to teach. Uh, I mean, part of your job as physical therapist is to be a loving enforcer, right? You're trying to get people to do their home exercises. You're trying to get people who are in pain to do things that are uncomfortable, you know, and many more conversations like that. But the ultimate goal is to get your patient better. So I can see how this is something that students really need to learn. Well, yeah, and then it's just, it really is, you know, also having kind of the gumption to have that conversation because a lot of people, and it's, you know, setting to setting, like I work in a primarily geriatric community, and so that's a tough population to motivate. You know, a lot of them are just like, oh, well, my doctor said I can't do this because I'm old, so I'm not going to try very hard. And for me, like, yes, we want to be those caring, compassionate healthcare providers to get people to comply. But when you work in a setting where, you know, 60% of your caseload is not going to be compliant, it shifts from taking care of your client a little bit and call me, call me brash, but you've got to take care of yourself because we come out of school and we're so excited to help people and we come up with the best treatment interventions and, and no one's getting better you know, and we're trying so hard and we go home and we look up things and we we do hands-on skills and we're doing a different treatment session every day to try to figure out what's going to work. And if you have a non-compliant client or caseload or what have you, and you're just spinning your wheels looking so hard for nothing, or maybe they come in and they are like, you did this to me and I'm not getting better and and they're just yelling at you, and they're angry. I mean, we care as professionals, and that's an emotional toll, and that causes burnout. And so being able to know your boundaries and say, listen, I'm here to help you, but I'm not going to do that if you're not going to help yourself. You know, it kind of comes down to taking care of you as well, so that you can be the best therapist that you can be. Because you can't just 
spin your wheels for somebody who's just, they could care less. Right. So it's a team effort. It's not just you as the CI or them as the student. Exactly. Okay. Last thing. Any final thoughts, advice for students or CIs that you want to leave us with? Um, I would say final thoughts for students. Please reach out to your CIs and make sure that you're paired with a CI that works for you. I mean, if you have completely different styles, you'll know that through communications. And sometimes if you catch it early enough, you can switch or you can both kind of compromise so that it, it's a healthy learning environment. And for CIs, you know, just make sure that you're helping teach your students on how to be a healthcare professional, you know, the day-to-day stuff, billing, documentation, all of that, and just trust that they're going to learn from you, but be open to learning from your students, because I think if you're open, you'd be amazed at what you can learn. Absolutely. And then, you know, encourage your coworkers to take students, because we've all been there, and it's so rewarding to give it back. Jessica, thank you so much. I know both students and CIs will enjoy listening to your insight, that's for sure. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. To read Jessica's original blog post, What I Want Students to Know Before Starting Clinical Rotations, visit the Pulse blog at apta.org pulse. APTA podcasts like this one are available on iTunes and Google Play, or you can visit apta.org podcasts. I'm Amelia Sullivan. Thanks for listening. It is an amazing conference for students to get together, and it's a great way to get involved with electing the future leaders of your profession. One thing that I really got out of it was the community that's built within APTA and building my connections both personally and professionally. The biggest draw to the student conclave is to get out of your bubble and meet other students. I think it allowed me to see what was out there for me, to see any opportunities, whether it be a job, making connections with other people. I couldn't do that from just my classroom. National Student Conclave is transformative. NSC is inspiring. NSC is exhilarating. NSC is a rocket ship. NSC is contagious. NSC is freaking cool. National Student Conclave is coming to Providence, Rhode Island, October 11th through 13th. NSC gives students the chance to meet their peers from across the country and attend lectures specifically designed for them. Go to apta.org NSC to register. We want to see you there.